Welcome again to The Compass, the sermon-based podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fanville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue our journey through God's Word. Now on today's podcast, Pastor Kirk is going to be continuing our series entitled Lessons from the Upper Room. But before we get to that, let me take this opportunity to invite you to join us for worship at Calvary Baptist Church. We meet at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you have any questions at all, you can find information at calvaryfayetteville.com, email us at info at calvaryfayetteville.com, or call us at 479-442-4634. Pastor Kirk's message today is entitled, You Are Not Alone, and is taken from John chapter 14 verses 15 through 31. Let's listen together. Well, we know and we serve a triune God. God is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are co-equal with each other. It's not a matter of some kind of hierarchy. They are all equal. They are distinct, yet they are one. I know that is difficult for you and me to get our brains around. I think it is, well, I think it is impossible for the human mind to conceive of and understand a God who is three in one, perfect in harmony with each other. To know one is to know all three, for they are three in one. Though they have different roles, they are in perfect agreement. Now for many of us, the Holy Spirit, who is the expression of God that we are least acquainted with, he is a bit of a mystery to us, and I believe that is rightly so, because many tend to lean too far into the Holy Spirit, into the point of charismatic abuse. We often lean too far the other way and are guilty of neglecting to at least seek to understand, to commune with, to live our lives under the direction of. God the Holy Spirit. And all of this is in spite of the fact that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1. He is mentioned in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. And he permeates the Scripture all in between. He is a prominent expression of God, but he is still a mystery to us. Now, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, these five chapters, have we, as we have been saying in recent weeks, these are all taking place in the space of just a few hours in the upper room and then on the way to Gethsemane. These verses or these chapters have often been called uh, the uh, uh, the what discourse? Which one, Tony? You don't know either. Okay. The upper room discourse. 
because this is where these words are being taught and Jesus is teaching. They are celebrating the Passover, uh, this last Passover, before the crucifixion the very next day. Now, during these chapters, Jesus is seeking to bring comfort to his disciples. They know that something is uh, taking place. He has told them that uh, he is going away, and where he is going, they cannot come. For three and a half years, every step he made, they have made. But now he's saying, you can't go where I'm going now. And they're deeply troubled about this. He also said that one of them would betray him. That was Judas Iscariot. He said that another, one of the ones that you would never think would, Peter, was going to deny him three times before the night was over. These men are deeply, deeply troubled. And yet he is saying to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be in turmoil. I'm going away. You can't follow but understand, and our passage today is the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit in a way like they've never known him before. Now, we're going to find that John refers to the Holy Spirit as a helper in today's text. A helper. That doesn't sound very high and noble, does it? He is a helper. The word in the Greek language is parakletos. And what it means is one called alongside to be of assistance. In its technical form, it has a legal dimension. He is an advocate who will speak on your behalf. In its wider context, it speaks of comfort, of protection, of counsel, and of guidance. In fact, you can kind of summarize the helper, the Holy Spirit's work, in these three bullet points that will be on the screen. He is one called or sent to assist someone else, you and me. He is an advocate, one who pleads the cause of another. And third, he is one present to render various beneficial service. Now, basically, all we're going to do today is look at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in this chapter, but understand, to, under, to understand and comprehend the Holy Spirit's ministry, we would need a series of sermons because there's many things we learn about him over in Paul's epistles and other places in the New Testament that goes far beyond what we will talk about today. So with all that in mind, let's um, get into our text. Here's what we're going to do. I want to give you three points because basically Jesus refers to three phases of the Holy Spirit's work in our text. We will read a paragraph at a time, and each paragraph will tell us what we need to know. Okay? First of all, first of all, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He is our, <clears throat> excuse me, our counselor. <clears throat> also, what goes along with that is our comforter, our advocate. He is there to speak words of peace and guidance and teaching and understanding to us. 
He is there to speak through us. He is there to speak for us. Look at verse 15, this first paragraph that we will read together. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus, sitting at the uh, Passover table, tells these 11 disciples, for Judas Iscariot has already gone to do his dirty deed. And he says to these 11, I'm going to send to you another comforter. He's going to be with you forever. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Now, something that's important to understand here and something that will go by you and me because our English language is, is quite lacking in this matter, in this preciseness. When Jesus says, I'm going to send you another comforter, you and I in our English language, have we have one word for another, just another, and we use it in whatever context. But in the Greek New Testament, there are two words for another. One of them is the word heteros, and it's where we get the prefix hetero in our language. It means another of a different kind. Not the same as what you're comparing with, but another of a different kind. Paul uses this word in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, when he is speaking to the Galatians who had begun to slip into some false teaching, those churches in Galatia, and he says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him, speaking of Christ, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is, here it is, another one, another of a different kind, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So he said, listen, there's only one gospel, and I'm astonished that you Galatians have quickly deserted Christ and are pursuing another gospel, another of a different kind, which is no gospel at all. It's not good news. It's bad news. They were falling back into uh, Jewish legalism. And they were, they were beginning to try to satisfy God and please God and earn grace by, by keeping the law. And he said that's another of a different kind of gospel, and it's not even a gospel at all. So another of a different kind. But another word in the Greek language, this is the word Alos or alos. It means another of the same kind. And that is the word that Jesus uses here. He's saying to them, men, I have been your helper. I have been your God. I have been your partner in ministry. I've been the one to walk alongside you and to be with you for the last three and a half years. But I'm leaving and I'm going away. But I'm going to send you another helper, another as the same kind as me. Why? 
because the Holy Spirit and I, we are one with each other and with the Father. So this other, this another helper is one of the same kind as Jesus. That's why he's referred to here as the Spirit of Truth. Jesus has just told them earlier in this chapter, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so this Spirit of Truth that is coming, he is like me. He will say the same things that I say. He will be with you. He will counsel you. He will encourage you. He will advocate for you. He will comfort you. Now this word parakletos, I don't want to give you too much of a Greek lesson today. I know you don't care anything in the world about that. But parakletos is only used five times in the New Testament. Only five times. And only by the Apostle John. Okay, five times, always by John. Four times in the upper room, four times in this uh, upper room discourse with his apostles in these chapters. And then when he writes the book of 1 John, the letter of 1 John, he uses it again there. Now follow me here and try to stay with me for a second. In 1 John, we are told this. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, a parakletos. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, do you get this? He said in 1 John four times, chapter 14, 15, and 16, that I'm going to send you another help for, help, helper, another paraclete. He's going to be with you. He'll be your counselor, your comforter, your encourager, your advocate. He will always stay with you. And then he writes later in 1 John, if anyone sins, if you begin to lose fellowship with the Father, if, you, if you've sinned against the, the will of God for your life, there is an advocate that you have who pleads your cause in heaven. And that advocate is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get it? You have two advocates. You have one who is with you here and now. You have the Spirit of God living in your life. He is the one who is there to speak for you and to help defend you in this world. But when you sin, you have an advocate in heaven. And it's Jesus Christ, and he is the one making intercession for you. The Apostle Paul talks about that whole idea. Uh, when he talks about the holy, uh, talks about uh, we have an intercessor in heaven who speaks on our behalf, one who makes intercession for us. That's Romans chapter 8. Well, the Paracletos is our helper, our encourager, our comforter, our counselor. And because of that, he can serve as our advocate. He knows us inside and out. He knows us and yet is willing to make intercession for us and to be our advocate. And as my friend Dr. E. Harold Henderson, who is now with the Lord, used to say his favorite expression of joy, glory. Glory in the fact that you have God living in you to be with you 
glory in the fact that there is a Savior in heaven who is pleading your cause before the altar of God. So he says here in this chapter that this helper is our counselor. But now, and this is going to surprise you a bit at the word, beginning with the next paragraph in verse 18, understand that the Holy Spirit is our homemaker. Our homemaker. Now, you've probably not been familiar with hearing the Holy Spirit referred to in that way. Let's take up reading in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, the other Judas, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Well, that is the word of the Lord. Amen. For three and a half years, Jesus has made a home for these men. Now remember that when he called them to follow him, they left their homes, they left their careers to be with Jesus. In fact, Jesus said that if a person was not willing to forsake everything to follow him, that they could not be his disciples. He said that in Luke chapter 5 and in Luke chapter 9. Are you willing to leave everything to follow Jesus? Let's just pause and then let me ask you that. Are you? Are you willing to leave your home and your family, your career, Are you willing to leave all that you possess, your bank accounts, your retirement fund, all those other things? Are you willing to leave your ambitions and your plans for life, your goals, and all those things you want to accomplish? Are you willing to leave those things to follow Jesus if he calls you? If you're not, you cannot be his disciple. I mean, if that's what he said 2,000 years ago in the Gospels to these disciples, why would it be different for you or me? The price is the same. The cost of our salvation was the same, was it not? He didn't just die. He didn't just go to an awful cross to die for the disciples. He did that for you and me. 
So why would it be wrong for him to call you and me to the same kind of abandonment of earthly things in order to follow him? The book we, those who are participating in faithful men and faithful women, that we have read for our first meetings coming up tomorrow night and Thursday night, this book, Through Gates of Splendor, talks about five couples who were willing to leave everything to follow Jesus for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel to people who had never heard the gospel before. They did that. It cost these men their lives. Well, these men in Jesus' day, these apostles, they had left everything to follow him. He had made a home for them. For them, wherever Jesus was, that was home. And now he is saying, I am going away. And this time, you cannot follow. These men are about to become homeless. Homeless. And that's why he says that I will not leave you as orphans. Now I know when we think of homemakers today, uh, we think of a wife and a mother. Uh, used to be referred to as housewives that almost seemed demeaning that uh, just referred to where they were and who they were or what they did. But homemaker elevates everything. Their most honorable profession of all is to be a homemaker. And that's what Jesus was. And that's what he says the Holy Spirit will be. I will not leave you as orphans. And then he says a little later, and this is where you need to follow me very closely. He says a little later, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, what is he talking about? He said that down in, um, down in verse 23. Judas, not Iscariot, had asked, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us, not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and notice, and we will come and make our home with him. Now, Jesus has already said, I'm going away to make for you a home in heaven, right? Didn't he say that earlier in this chapter? I'm going to prepare a place for you. I want to go to the cross and deal with your sin. I want to go to the grave and be buried, but I want to rise from the dead, defeating death for you. I'm preparing a home for you in that way, but then I'm going back to my Father to prepare an eternal home for you. And now he says, I will come and make my home with you. What's going on? The Holy Spirit 
is working in you and me. Follow me now. Is working with you and me to make a home for Jesus and the Father in us. The Holy Spirit is not only a counselor, he's a homemaker. The Holy Spirit is working in your heart, Christian, and in your life to make a proper home and a proper dwelling place for Jesus and for God the Father to dwell in you. In our flesh, this body is not the right kind of home for God to live in. It's not clean. It's filthy. It's sinful. But what does he say? The Holy Spirit is a homemaker working inside of us, dealing with our sin, sanctifying us, leading us in the truth, teaching us the truth of God, changing our lives, conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ so that you and I will be a proper and fitting home for God in this world. For where and how does God live in this world? He lives in the hearts and lives of his people. So who are those who present Jesus in the right way, in a God-glorifying way? He has said it already about three times in the verses we've read today. If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Walk in my footsteps. Live as I live. Do as I do. Be the right kind of place that God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the great three in one, will live in you and work through you. He is making a home for the Father inside your life. Those who trust, love, and obey Christ. Is that you? Is that you? The third relationship in the third paragraph. He is not only our counselor. He is not only our, our homemaker. He is our teacher. Our teacher. We take up the reading in verse 25. And we read these words. These things I have spoken to you while I'm with you. But the helper, there it is again, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. We'll pause our reading right there. I will bring to your remembrance just a few days after this, after the resurrection of Jesus and the rumors of the resurrection, Scripture is going to say, then the disciples remembered what he had said to them. And that's going to happen over and over again as they continue their lives and their ministries on into 
the New Testament. A little bit later, that very same evening, he said this concerning the Holy Spirit in chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. That's his teaching job. He will bear witness. The Holy Spirit never draws attention to himself, always to Jesus. And then in John chapter 16, he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. These guys are heartbroken and in heart turmoil over the idea that Jesus is going to leave. And he now says, not only am I going to send you the helper, another comforter, another of the same kind, but he said, it is to your advantage that this happens. Right now, for the last three and a half years, I've been one man, God in flesh, walking with you day by day. And I know that if we had our choice, we would probably choose to have that as well, right? To have Jesus right here in the flesh, in this room, where we could talk to him, where he could talk to us. We would always choose God in the flesh. But Jesus said, it's more advantageous to you to have God, the Spirit, with you. Why is that? Because he'll never go away. Because he's not confined to a body. Because he will be inside all of you making a home for me. And because he will never leave you nor forsake you. And because you will never go anywhere. Anywhere in all of your missionary travels. And these men went as far away as Africa perhaps even to Spain or Europe, also as far east as India and beyond to share the gospel and to everyone except John, the writer of this gospel, to die a martyr's death. I'll be there with you as you go. I'll be there where you go when you get there because God the Spirit will be everywhere. And so he said, it's advantageous to you if I go away. And then in chapter 16, verse 8, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. In other words, he is going to empower you as you preach the gospel. He's going to convict men and women, boys and girls of their sins. And they are going to trust me as Savior. He said in verse 12 of chapter 16, I still have many things to say to you, but right now you cannot bear them. You guys are in a mess. You're in heart turmoil. You can't receive it. You can't understand it. You won't remember it until later. So I'm not going to tell you everything now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. To all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
Paul comes along and confirms the very same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 when he says this. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. You cannot understand the Word of God without the Holy Spirit to be your teacher. You'll never comprehend what God has to say to you, what God has for you, what God wants to do through you without the leadership and the teaching of our counselor, our comforter, our encourager, our paraclete, our advocate, our homemaker, God the Holy Spirit. Among many other things that he does, we find just these eight in the verses that we have read. He is with us and in us forever. He makes his home in us. He teaches us and calls to remembrance what we need to know. He brings us peace. He bears witness of Christ in our lives. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He guides us into all truth. He glorifies this. And as we continue on in the New Testament, we find that He leads the church. And He empowers God's people to do great things, great acts of service. He bestows spiritual gifts so that we might be able to serve God even more effectively. He comforts us. He empowers the church and you and me individually. He is Christ in you, the confidence we have of glory ever after. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit living in your life is God's down payment to you for everything else he has waiting for you one day in heaven. Well, that'll be enough for now. In this life, in this life, we have many experiences and circumstances that appear random, do we not? Sometimes it seems like events that come our way are even meaningless. It seems like no one, no one is at the helm driving the ship. Sometimes it seems like this life is just ricocheting like a pinball. And it doesn't make any sense at all. Like someone said, it can look like the bottom side of the quilt top that is being stitched together. From the top, from God's perspective, there is a perfect pattern He's working out for each one of us. But underneath, underneath all we can see is raveled edges and loose threads everywhere that make no sense. It's like standing beneath the storm clouds and feeling the wind and the rain beating against us and lashing against us. When up above us, that sun is as bright and as glorious as it's ever been. But we have to live life this way, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, 
seeking to make our way through life and make the right decisions, respond in the right way, understand the Word of God and, and what He would have for us. This is the way Elizabeth Elliot described it at the second epilogue, the end, again, of the book that our faithful men and women have been reading. She says, we are not always sure where the horizon is. We would not know which end is up were it not for the shimmering pathway of light falling on the white sea before us. The one who laid earth's foundations and settled its dimensions knows where the lines are drawn. He gives all the light we need for our trust and for our obedience. Day by day, you'll have enough light from the Holy Spirit to guide your next step. Enough light for trust and obedience. Let me leave you with these three challenges. Number one, be born of the Spirit. Be born of the Spirit. Jesus said in John 3, 5, unless one is born of the Spirit, he will never see nor enter the kingdom of God. Are you born of the Spirit today? Truly Spirit-born, a new birth, born again. Be born of the Spirit. If you are, then live and walk in the Spirit. Live and walk in the Spirit. Paul says in Galatians 5, 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And number three, worship in Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 4, God is a Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in Spirit and in truth. Life is too short to spend time coming to church to worship in the flesh. Let's worship in the Spirit. Father, thank you for the truth of your Word. Thank you for the blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you that he is our counselor, our encourager, the one who comforts us, the one who speaks on our behalf. Thank you that he is making a home in us for you and your son Jesus, even as Jesus is making us a home in heaven. Father, thank you that he is our teacher, that we can live supernaturally and understand supernatural, eternal, spiritual truths because the spirit who lives within us is our teacher. Please forgive us of our sins, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, 
You can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.